Hello once again, folks. We're back. Another edition of the CIC cast. Now our second of the 2016-17 high school sports season. Thanks so much for being with us. I'm Joel Cookson. We are happy to have you along. It's going to be an interesting edition of the CIC cast. Got uh, a couple familiar faces coming on and also a, a new face joining us today. We focused on football in our first uh, edition of the CIC cast for 2016-17 uh, high school sports season. This time it's going to be a little more soccer heavy. We're going to chat with uh, Matthew Conyers of the Hartford Current's going to talk. Uh, he's going to go deep on soccer. If those of you who have uh, have noted Matt's uh, time with us before, he has a broad range of knowledge and uh, an insight into the soccer season. So looking forward to chatting with him. I'm going to talk to Joe Palladino of the Waterbury Republican American about a story he wrote about uh, soccer in the uh, the city schools at Waterbury. So wanted to talk to him as well. And we've also got a new face with us this time. John Licardo of Shore Publishing wrote an interesting story this summer that I wanted to talk to him about, kind of doing a deep dive on the nuts and bolts and uh, machinations of how a high school sports season comes together from the perspective of ADs, coaches, and athletes. So we're going to talk to John about that. So a lot of good stuff. Uh, I think that we're going to get to this week on the CIAC cast. So uh, without much further ado, let's get into it. Let's start off with things you might have missed on CIACsports.com. Did a jam-packed edition of Linked Up last Friday, trying to get back into that pattern. We missed a few weeks as uh, the high school season approached, but got a very big uh, edition last Friday that you can check out. Also very pleased to... Uh, to announce the seven inductees into the CAS CIC Hall of Honor. This is our second year of the Hall of Honor. The induction ceremony will be coming up uh, a little bit later in October, October 29th to be specific, uh, at the AquaTurf Club. Some amazing, exceptional individuals being honored uh, at the CAS CIC Hall of Honor. Seven folks going in now in the second class. Uh, Kit Bishop, a longtime principal in uh, Westbrook. Jiggs Cicchini, the boys basketball tournament director who has served CIAC in a number of roles. Same can be said of Al Kramer, who will be uh, joining us this year. Ray Fostich, a uh, baseball umpire and interpreter in uh, Fairfield County. Tom Monahan, uh, inducted posthumously, former athletic director of the Bristol High Public Schools. Charlie Sheros, uh, inducted posthumously, longtime contributor for the Connecticut High School Coaches Association and soccer tournament director. And Ivan Wood, who was the principal at Plainville High School, also inducted posthumously, uh, who was a very, very important man uh, in the development of several CIC tournaments as well. So a seven very, very worthy inductees. Hope you'll read a little bit of the bios on them. And consider attending the event. Uh, it's our second year of the uh, CIAC, CAS CIAC Hall of Honor. And uh, really think it's a special night honoring some folks who uh, who, who gave of themselves uh, a tremendous amount and continue to give to themselves a tremendous amount uh, at the CIAC. So hope you will, uh, will check that out uh, October 29th. Uh, we'll have uh, information on the website. Uh, you can buy tickets on the website. All sorts of good things uh, coming up. And we'll have, uh, we do video presentations honoring the individuals. And you'll see those on the website uh, as well once they've uh, been completed and published. So lots of good stuff there. And of course, uh, the, the high school sports season now just about a week old. We'll be a week old recording this on a Thursday. We'll be a week old on Friday. Uh, of course, CIACsports.com 
You can find schedules, you can find results, you can sign up for email and text updates to uh, schedule changes, all kinds of good stuff. You can keep tabs on things there uh, on CIACsports.com. So hope you will check that out as well. Of course, follow us on Twitter at CIAC Sports. We've got our, uh, our trivia question. I'll be answering that and revealing it uh, in just a moment, actually, here on Thursday. We'd like to do a little championship trivia every Wednesday. I think the questions have been too easy the last few weeks. Uh, folks have been nailing them, uh, nailing in the answers. I'm going to have to dig a little deeper trying to find some trivia uh, for the CIAC uh, trivia contest on Twitter every week. But uh, along with that, we hope you will uh, check everything out there on CIACsports.com. Follow us on Twitter. Great way to uh, to stay up to date. And subscribe to the podcast. I don't know if folks are, are listening and not, uh, not subscribing, but that's the best way to make sure that you're getting the up-to-date uh, CIAC cast as soon as that f- it finishes up. So we, uh, we talk about all of that. And uh, now let's get to our guest. But before we do that, of course, I also want to pass along uh, our note from the uh, our friends at the Connecticut Department of uh, of Transportation. Look, uh, distracted driving it, it's just uh, it's just not what you should be doing out there. Look, driving a car is serious business. You got to pay attention to what you're doing. Just keep your phone out of sight out of the way, put it in your pocket, put it in the center console, don't look at it, please, when you're on the road. It's just not worth it. It's not worth uh, putting yourself at risk. It's not worth putting other people on the road, your friends who might be in the car with you at risk. Just put it away. you got to focus on what you're doing when you're behind the wheel. This goes to, uh, to, to students, to high school students. It's the same as true of adults. Adults, I think, are probably just as bad and just as guilty of this. We, th- we think we've got important things going on. we got to check out our phones. No. Just keep it parked away. One text or call could wreck it all. Keep the phone away and out of sight when you're in the car behind the wheel. So that's uh, from our friends at the Connecticut Department of Transportation. We hope you will uh, will take that under advisement and be smart with uh, your phone when you're in your car. All of that said, let's get to our guests now. I'm uh, excited about this. we got some good folks, some good things to talk about this week. I love a little soccer conversation. I mentioned we're going to dive into that with Matt Conyers and Joe Palladino. But first up, a new guest, as I said, John Licardo of Shore Publishing. He's going to talk to us a little bit about a story he published this summer that I think fans uh, might find interesting and uh, illuminating about the world of high school sports. We've got a first-time podcast guest with us today, and I'm always happy to uh, to expand our our. Uh our our um, selection of guests. So uh, we've got John Licardo of Shore Publishing with us today. John, thanks very much for being with us. Uh, great to be here, Joel. You know, uh, another uh, acad- uh, scholastic year ahead of us, you know, with uh, fall season just starting this past weekend. Uh, you know, but uh, it's great to talk to you and, uh, you know, great to be on here. We're very happy to have you. I always uh, like uh, reading John's work down there on the shore. And uh, so you wrote a story, uh, main reason that we wanted to chat with you today, you wrote a story that I really uh, kind of piqued my interest this summer and uh, included it in our, our latest edition of Linked Up, which was last Friday, so fans can check it out there, uh, as well as various uh, places on the website. But um, really enjoyed this this piece that John wrote, kind of talking about sort of the, the nuts and bolts uh, of running an athletic department, a high school athletic department. He talked to some coaches and a lot of athletics directors uh, in your region. So just wanted to, to kind of chat with you a little bit about that. And first of all, you know, where did you, where did you get the idea for the story? What made you want to sort of uh, dive into maybe some of the, the behind-the-scenes stuff and, and try to give people a picture of, of what goes on in running a high school sports program? Um, well, uh, first off, I'll just start a little bit of uh, background about, you know, kind of 
this story was uh, what we like to call at Shore, um, Shore Publishing uh, kind of summer feature stories um, in usually around August when we get that kind of gap between Legion baseball wrapping up and, you know, fall season uh, starting. We uh, Each one of our writers, uh, sports writers, usually does like a, a local feature kind of like, uh, you know, something that uh, – deviates from the norm of, uh, you know, our high school or, mm-hmm. or Legion writing, uh, just, you know, maybe some about topics that, uh, you know, our readers don't usually get to hear about, and there's some great work on there on, on our website, Zippo6.com, uh, but, um, but again, back to this story in particular, um, yeah, I just kind of wanted to, um, you know, kind of break, break the fourth wall, if you will, you know, just talk to, uh, you know, just try to figure out what goes into, you know, putting all this together, you know, from an administration standpoint with sure. the uh, athletic directors and, of course, the coaches and, of course, the, the student-athletes themselves. But, um, yeah, it's just, you know, I kind of mentioned and alluded to in the intro of the story, uh, you know, in the five years I've been doing this, uh, you know, I've talked to a lot, of, a lot of coaches, a lot of players, a lot of ADs, you know, and they always talk about the time and effort that goes into it. And so I, I kind of wanted to really go a little deeper into what you know what really makes up that time and effort and then of course you know i also mentioned the story but um you know in in my time i've i've seen you know i remember you know hurricane sandy mm-hmm. you know i mean obviously it was a, a terrible storm but i mean from an athletic standpoint i know it set a lot of uh, teams back in terms of their scheduling again i remember you know the fall tournaments for SECs being pushed back a whole week and uh, you know again some teams doing the sec final uh, for example and then the opening weekend of states in the same week uh, right. and then of course that nor'easter we had uh you know a couple months later i remember you know what was it three foot of snow off the ground and yeah. uh you know some um you know some tournaments getting pushed back or even canceled in the case of uh wrestling for the secs but um you know but again just wanted to uh you know kind of give our viewers or our readers rather uh you know, again, a little behind-the-scenes look because, you know, I mean, with our readers, they're usually looking at, you know, just the, the results of the games and what happened. But, you know, just wanted to kind of scale back a little bit and, you know, peel some layers back and kind of look into the whole operation of things from those, you know, three angles of coaches, administration, and students. So sure. that's kind of where it all kind of came from. All right. Well, uh, and you, you did an outstanding job, and it really it's it's actually kind of a piece that I've kind of thought about uh, writing myself once or twice. You know, you sort of try to give people that that full picture of all the all the pieces that make up a high school sports program in a season. Um, what were some of the the main things that you learned, or the biggest takeaways, kind of that you that you took from uh, from researching and writing the story? Um, well, from an administration standpoint, for uh, looking at the ads. Um, you know, I, I remember, you know, speaking to, uh, you know, Kevin Rail out in Oregon, um, you know, and uh, Craig Semple out in, uh, in Hand Madison. Um, you know, the thing that kind of struck me was, you know, just all the, the management they have to do and try to, try to, you know, look at all the different schedules of, you know, not only the kids that are in multiple sports, or the, I think Craig mentioned something about, Craig Semple mentioned about band, but, you know, they have to, and then they have to take in part the CIEC's restrictions as far as game limitations, weekly limitations, um, you know, just um, the school, the school district. I mean, so many things that have to, you know, they have to take into account. And then even on the day of the game, um, you know, I know at least in my experience, you know, covering games, usually the host, you know, because I know Craig mentioned uh, athletic training, medical staffing. Um, usually the home team has their trainer there, but, you know, obviously on any given day, uh, that same school could have multiple home games. So, you know, you got to try to manage, you know, the athletic training schedule and have people in different places. But it's just all the, the management they have to do, um, you know, from 
to getting everything together. I mean, you know, and of course, and then looking at the coaches too, I mean, they, they juggle a lot. I mean, you know, not only being teach, a lot of them are also teachers during the day and they're going right, you know, when that two o'clock bell rings right to practice. Right. Um, you know, and then even, I think, um, uh, Anthony Sagnello, coach of North Haven football mentioned, um, you know, quote that kind of stuck out to me, you know, looking back on the story, you know, I, I put the coaching hat on after two o'clock, but I really don't take it off during the day because they're always, you know, taking calls for, for, for players, for recruiting, for, you know, maybe a senior going into college, looking at a college or things like that. But, right. you know, it's just, and even the students too, I mean, just, you know, all the work they put in, I mean, you know, we've all been there, you know, now as adults, been through high school, it, it's, it's tough, you know, with, uh, you know, trying to keep up the academic standard and then the athletics. So it really on all three, all three phases, you know, it just stood out to me. It was really their, how much they got to try to juggle. And it really is truly amazing to see, you know, what they can do. All three of those people in those entities can do. It really is amazing to watch. Yeah, no, and it is. It's it's sometimes kind of remarkable that it all, yeah. you know, comes together uh, as, as seamlessly sometimes as it does. You know, there's always going to be hurdles and bumps in the road and stuff. But, uh, you know, when you sort of see all the pieces and all the moving parts that uh, that are involved in a, in a season, it's kind of amazing to see that it uh, that it does come together. Um, yeah, time time management is uh, is a big thing. <laughs> absolutely. What do you feel like um, are sort of the biggest challenges that that schools are facing and athletics departments face? You know, the biggest hurdles uh, along the way to kind of getting all this up and running and, and keeping it running uh, throughout the year. Um, I mean, it's you know not so much. I don't know if it's hurdles. It's just it's it's just you know trying to uh, you know kind of find that that happy medium when you're kind of scheduling you know games and then you know when you got to try to when you know weather happens and trying to make things up i mean i know you know uh cic also allows for for sundays for for certain things to make up as a makeup date you know i know they always do it regularly with uh you know rain dates or snow dates for uh for state finals but um you know just i i think it's just uh you know kind of um what what they've uh it's you know really just uh trying to, uh, you know, find that balance really when it comes to uh, looking into, you know, student schedules, you know, uh, de- you know, of course you have testing like SATs, PSATs, ACTs, and thing- and other school functions and things sure. like that. But, um, you know, I think it's just uh, uh, trying to just kind of integrate all aspects of, uh, you know, student life, high school, uh, athletic, academic life. I think it's really just trying to you know, get through all that to kind of, you know, find a nice balanced schedule and, and everything. I think that's kind of the main, the main hurdle, but I mean, it, uh, you know, as the saying goes, it comes with the territory. So, sure. uh, but that, I would say it's the main thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. These, uh, they're not just, uh, they're not just athletes. They're not just full-time, uh, full-time athletes for you. So yeah, a lot of, uh, and yes, the weather, uh, I think is probably the, the vexing thing for, for just about everyone involved in high school sports. Um, Anything, you know, when you were kind of writing or or researching this story, talking to people, do you feel like there was anything that you kind of went in with, you know, a thought and, and something changed your mind or kind of changed your perspective on something? Was there anything in here that, that really surprised you as you sort of uh, were, were working through this story? Um, I, I really think I just the, the commitment level. I mean, you know, I had an idea that going in, the commitment level takes on, on all three fronts to kind of make everything happen. But, um, you know, just like uh, I talked to um, Chuck Rail, Alan Branford, their softball coach, and, you know, he kind of mentioned to me, you know, once it gets to, uh, you know, late March when you start the preseason and the scrimmage schedule, 
Um, it's really, you know, kind of six days a week. You know, you mentioned, you know, you have Good Friday off, and then after that, it's just every Sunday mm-hmm. until, you know, until, you know, how far however far along the season goes into the SECs or, or your conference tournament, your state tournament. But, uh, you know, that kind of really stuck out to me. Like, it is really a commitment. It is, you know, really a – and, you know, it, you have to kind of take, like, that almost business-like approach, you know, just every day, uh, you know, go in and, and uh, bust your hump as much as you can. And, and it really is, uh, you know, truly tremendous to, you know, see how much of a commitment it really is just for one team in one season. And getting back to the, uh, the student-athlete uh, aspect of it, you know, there's a lot of kids that are, you know, even in the summer, you know, they're really, they're not, it's, it's summer, they're out of school, but they are not out of the uh, athletic uh, realm of it because, you know, they're, they're doing summer, you know, summer sports or even, you know, they may not do a sport for their school in the fall or winter, but they're doing, you know, the travel leave and, and things like that. They're, they're going year round because, you know, you want to always stay in that, that physical condition that, you know, you want, you don't want to stop and, you know, and you just want to keep going and keep the muscles going. So it really is tremendous to see the students really not have an off season. It is, it, it is remarkable. You know, uh, that really kind of stood out to me because there's a lot of kids that I talked to that, you know, said they do those, those off season, those travel leagues and things like that. But it truly is amazing to see what, you know, physically, I mean, mentally, of course, too, with the, the student life of mm-hmm. it, but, um, you know, physically, how they're able to just really go twenty four seven, three sixty five. Yeah, no, it really, it's a, it's a, it's a big commitment, and uh, and they treat it as such, and that's, uh, you know, and and the adults, I think, involved, uh, kind of respect that that commitment, and and they kind of they try to do the the same level. I think that that's sort of what you see, uh, and and really uh, did a great job of kind of digging in on the story. So uh, really enjoyed it, and and hope folks will uh, will go check it out. Uh, as I said, uh, John mentioned the website you can find, and as I mentioned, uh, last week's edition of Linked Up on CICSports.com uh, had a link to it as well. So hope folks will uh, will check it out. Really a, a good deep dive into uh, the world of high school sports with a lot of different perspectives. So uh, great job with the story, John. Any uh, Since uh, you mentioned the fall, we're off and running here. Any uh, Anything that's kind of jumped out or, or stood out to you uh, from a you know story perspective or, or things that have caught your eye here in the early season in your, uh, your part of the state? Uh, anything that's, uh, that's standing out as an interesting story for you thus far in the fall? Um, well, you know, uh, just kind of, I know we cover, you know, with Shore Publishing, we cover a lot of the shoreline and SEC territory in terms of uh, conferences and, and high school teams. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, the SEC is kind of a new era here. They've, uh, you know, realigned the uh, divisions in, in different sports. You know, some teams, you know, have the same division name, but with, you know, different teams in them. Right. Um, you know, a couple, a couple of the sports I noticed the, because uh, for our, uh, for our company, I kind of cover my main beats are Guilford, Hand, and HK uh, Athletics. Mm-hmm. So in some sports, there's been, uh, you know, the Hand-Guilford, uh, I mean, the rival- rivalry is still there, but uh, some of the sports, they've been split up uh, in different divisions, so that's kind of interesting. But, um, you know, it's a new look for everybody, even football, you know, with the uh, tier aspect in the uh, SEC. But, um, you know, but in terms, aside from that, you know, uh, football, you know, week one, uh, kind of interesting, you know, along the SEC again. Uh, you know, I noticed, um, you know, North Haven, they had a great year last year and, uh, you know, all the way to the state finals. And I know they've got some, you know, and, you know, in high school sports, it's cyclical. You know, you mm-hmm. got a lot of guys that graduate and uh, new faces that come in. So it'll be kind of interesting to see what they do this year. And then hand, uh, you know, I know 
you know, talking to Coach Philippone, I know they've had to kind of readjust at the quarterback position, um, you know, after three years of a uh, tremendous career from Nick Vandell. Um, you know, I know he came, I remember sophomore year writing about him coming in in 20, 2013 and uh, came right in and then took them all the way to the playoffs to the point where they almost uh, knocked off a, a very good Darien team in the first round. But, uh, you know, aside from that, you know, it's a, kind of a new era for them. But um, And then even other sports, you know, it's kind of a new year. I know, uh, you know, out in Clinton um, with Morgan Volleyball, uh, you know, a legendary coach uh, in both volleyball and basketball, Joe Grippo. Sure. Um, I know he's, he's stepped aside from coaching this year. But, uh, you know, it is amazing to see, you know, another year of, you know, new faces, new places. And, uh, you know, just uh, – it's just great every year to kind of see it all come back together and the game start again, like I mentioned uh, at the top of our conversation. But um, other than that, yeah, it's just uh, interesting to see a new year and uh, we're only a week into it. It's going to be fun to see where it goes in terms of uh, end of the regular season, end of uh, conference playoffs in the state. So uh, just great to see it all happen. Yeah, no, and that that's the fun of, uh, of high school sports. You know, the, the, the kids change and uh, there's new stories and new – new things to talk about and write about uh, every year. So, uh, John, we really appreciate it. As I said, really enjoyed uh, your, your deep dive into the world of high school sports. Hope folks will uh, will check it out. And uh, really happy to have you with us and, uh, and get a new uh, first-time guest on the podcast. So thanks very much and uh, enjoy the fall season. Hopefully we'll check back in with you uh, a little bit later on. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, no, it's great to talk to you. And, uh, you know, in terms of the pro uh, the pro. 14 uh pretty happy as a Steeler fan right now and a Cubs fan in baseball hopefully uh next time we talk in the future hopefully we're finally celebrating the World Series championship well there you go that's uh that that's certainly something to look forward to and keep your eye on yeah. thanks John <laughs> all right thanks y'all Thanks so much to John. Really enjoyed that conversation. Again, really think uh, fans could learn quite a bit. Uh, go check out his story. Uh, as I mentioned, it's in the, the September 9th edition of Linked Up on CICsports.com. You also, can for, of course, can find it uh, on their website. So now let's uh, let's buckle up and get ready. The, those of you, as I said, who have been with us before know that Matt Conyers can go deep on boys and girls soccer, and I expect that he's going to do that this time as well. So we reach out to the, uh, the Hartford Currents, Matt Conyers to get ready and for the high school soccer season coming up now in the fall. Joining us now, we've got Matthew Conyers of the Hartford Current. We uh, we reach out to Matt very, very often this time of year to help us uh, walk us through the uh, the upcoming, well, now underway, boys and girls soccer seasons. Matt, thanks as always for joining us. Yeah, it's a pleasure, Joel. I really enjoy coming out with you guys talking. Well, we, uh, we, we appreciate it. You've got a, a breadth of knowledge, and, uh, and it's a lot of fun to dive in here. So let's, uh, let's get right to it. We're going to talk a little soccer here. Uh, as always, Matt, you know, mostly familiar with the, the teams around the, the current uh, circulation area, but certainly knows, uh, knows a thing or two about just about all the teams in the state. So we'll, we'll start off kind of very big picture here. What sort of stand out to you as some of the interesting uh, boys and girls soccer, just kind of general storylines as we head into uh, the new season? Joel, I apologize now because I'm going to be mentioning some names you've heard me mention before. Mm-hmm. But in soccer, uh, it happens to be that these teams just year in and year out continue to be in the spotlight, to have the ability to reload. And when it comes to boys and girls soccer this year, uh, if you're looking at one team or one program uh, on both the boys and girls side, I think the conversation has to start. Uh, as it ended last year with Glastonbury. I mean, mm-hmm. both teams won the Glass Double L titles last year. They had done that sweep before, um, but there's a level of history that's kind of unprecedented at this point for both these schools, and that's why they're 
they're, they're so much of a focal point when you talk about soccer in the state. The Glastonbury girls now uh, enter the year with 41 straight wins. They open the season with an unbelievable win over Farmington, a 4 nothing win. Farmington much improved, one of them going to be one of the good teams in class, uh, class L this year. So mm-hmm. they're carrying this heavy, heavy weight of a big win streak. Like we've quite frankly never seen uh, this magnitude. They went through a perfect season last year, the girls did. They won their second straight class double L title. And they had a reload. They, they lost two of the better players in the state. I mean, they lost America, Cosentina, who was the all-current player of the year two years in a row. Mm-hmm. They're now playing up at Colgate. Uh, and just a, a force in the midfield, controlled everything. And as you know, in soccer, uh, that, that's the quarterback. That's the person that everything runs through, and Mara was that player. So they've got to regroup without her. Sabrina Glazer had one of the big, big years last year. He was just an absolute force. Um, and they lost a lot of other pieces, and they really had to try and change it up, kind of change the identity a little, but in Glastonbury, it's always the case you've got plenty of kids coming out, uh, plenty of athletes that want to be on the team. It's one of the biggest schools in the state, and it's got such a rich tradition. So there is, you know, it, it, they haven't been able to fill it, but it's very interesting as we watch this, by all extents of purpose, the new team take on this goal and do it well early on, especially with that victory over Farmington. It right. is uh, it is quite impressive what these girls are doing. And then on the other side, the boys are come back looking for a, a fourth Straight class double L title. No one had even won three straight until last year. Now the boys are back doing it. They beat Farmington in a big opening night game on last Friday mm-hmm. uh, under the lights of Tuncus Mead. About a thousand people there. Great crowd. Uh, I, I would say probably as good as any high school football crowd was that, that day. Uh, just a really good atmosphere. The fans were into it. A uh, good game. Uh, Farmington is going to be another strong team. They have a really solid starting 11, expected to be one of the best in the CCC again. Glastonbury lost seven starters from last year's team, only brought back four players, but they brought back four huge players, uh, Sebi Sanzaro, Freddie Clark, uh, uh, Griffin Scalia. These guys were all on the team the last couple of years. They have that tradition embedded in them. They have that need to want to continue to come back and, and top what they did the year before. So mm-hmm. Those are the two Big teams, both boys and girls, Glastonbury at the school. Everybody's going to be talking about, uh, you know, unfortunately, because of the history, because of the past, what they've been able to do, it's almost championship or bust. So the spotlight is solely on them as we start this year, Joel, as far as that one team that everybody's going to be talking about, regardless of where you are, location-wise, in the state. Absolutely. Yep. No. And they, uh, as you said, they've earned that. Uh, they've earned that reputation and that uh, that sort of focus uh, from what they've done in the past. How How about uh, you know maybe round out the the group of contenders, if you will. And obviously, many uh, you know we're talking uh, boys and girls, and then you know we've got four classes uh, to cover as well. So we're not asking you for. Uh, you know, preseason picks or anything uh, across the board, but uh, just give me, you know, another handful of teams that sort of have your attention uh, early on and, and you think maybe in the mix for, uh, for, for big seasons this year. Well, you, you kind of look at some of these uh, prestige programs. Where do they come back this year? Like Avon, they won a class outside of last year. Southfield went into class L undefeated. These are teams that we talk about every year. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, the, the communities, just not their communities, but soccer communities, they're always curious how they're going to do. Weathersfield, what's going on with them? You know, you look at Weathersfield, they graduated another star, too. They graduated all-current uh, player of the year, Jimmy Slayton, who's now playing in Hartford, 
was arguably one of the best goalies in the last 15 years. He had a chance to, you know, he took the high school, so he's really in the spotlight for a long time. He's gone, and now they're transformed. They're no longer quite the defensive team they were last year, Weathersfield. They're going to have to do it by offense. That's Rob Yakum's favorite thing is offense. So they're, they're kind of going back into his, his style he likes. They got a kid in Lucas Semecki. Uh, great forward last year, helped lead them to the title, helped get them to that final against Avon, where they lost in overtime. Lucas comes back. I, I saw him in preseason. He looked bigger. He looked faster. He looks ready to go to kind of take over that, really that dominant forward position that Jay's had in the past in Weathersfield. Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to keep a look, eye on Weathersfield. I think they're going to still be a contender, even though their coach, Rob, might uh, be downplaying them a little bit. But I think that offense is going to really be doing things special. Uh, you know, another team that played Weathersfield in the preseason that I, I think is going to have a really uh, impressive year. They've been kind of quiet for their standards recently, uh, but Staples, you talk about a team down the other part of the state mm-hmm. uh, in Westport, Staples is going to be very much improved. I saw them. They held the ball very, very well against Weathersfield in the game. Uh, I, I would look for them to be improved. Then you got a couple other FCX teams you want to keep an eye on. Uh, Danbury uh, has some new players in, a new look this year. Uh, I, they're going to be a team you want to keep an eye on. They, they had a great deal of success the last couple of years. The Fairfield teams, especially Fairfield Ludlow, they got upset last year. How did they come back from that? Darian made the final. Can they can they regroup? Then uh, you know up here, Tallinn. Tallinn's a new team with a new coach, uh, but they bring back many of the same players, many of the same defense. Uh, they're going to be a team with heavy expectations, high expectations coming into the year, and I think they can win another title. Um, and you always want to keep an eye out for some teams that are kind of on the verge, uh, trying to make their own level of history. And the two teams I'm looking at in that regard, mm-hmm. at least the ones that just popped into my head on the boys' soccer side, uh, are definitely Hall and Plainville. Now, okay. Hall's going to be trying to go out to the Class L title. If you remember last year, they made the semifinals. They had actually lost in the quarterfinals to Bridgeport Central. They got moved up when the whole... Uh, ineligible player issue arose, and they yep. got to play in Glastonbury in a semifinal, which is a huge experience for them. They bring back the majority of their team. They bring back most of their stars. They bring back their goalie. Uh, Hall hasn't been to a title uh, game in over 30 years. Wow. So uh, it, it's been a long time. The school's chomping on the bit. If they can get accustomed to playing with that pressure uh, and also scoring goals, Hall's another team that has that chance that you're going to be talking about in November chance of making some history and getting a long-awaited appearance back in the championship, and I think they got a chance at a title. The other side, a team that's kind of off the radar a little bit, you don't always talk about, kind of gets lost in the shuffle uh, with every other CCC school out there because there's so many, is Plainville. I think Plainville's a very strong team. They they actually played Tullin probably as well as anybody in the state tournament last year, ended up losing in the quarterfinal, uh, and I think their coach at the time, Jim Leahy, said that was one of the toughest games they played all year. They bring back all their players. They bring back a talented player in Juan Torres. These guys are going to be ready to go, and they're trying to get to their first. They're trying to win their first championship in school history. So that'd be a special little thing for them yeah. if they were able to do that. Um, then you look at Summers. Summers is always there. In fact, you know, I recently did a story on Summers. They have won more titles than any other program in, in boys soccer in the state in the last eleven years. Uh, they lost Corey Brown, a kid who had 39 goals last year, all New England forward. But as always, Summers, they regroup. The expectations are that for there to get get them back to a title. Uh, the kids say championship or bust. They have a great attitude. And the thing that's going to carry them is uh, really the defense. 
on the girls' side of it, uh, a couple teams you want to keep a look out uh, coming in. Uh, obviously, we started with Glastonbury, a couple mm-hmm. of downstate teams. St. Joseph has been there recently, been very strong. Uh, they have to overcome the loss of Jenna Bike, graduated sure. playing at BC now. Uh, a tremendous player. She was the, the national player of the year. Uh, so th- these are players, you know, that they have to get over. But St. Joe's always there, always finds a way. Uh, so they'll probably be back. If you look on the the class outside, you know, Farmington's going to be very good. I think Weathersfield's going to be another team. We always talk about the boys when it comes to Weathersfield. So the Weathersfield girls got a really good midfield. Uh, they lost Summer Boodoo, uh, their goalie, who Summer, who had been there forever. Uh, no longer are playing soccer, but just a tremendous high school athlete for them. Uh, so they're going to have to regroup with that, but I think they're going to be another team that has the talent on paper. They look very strong. You know, it's interesting, Joel. One of the, the themes this year for especially girls soccer and a little bit, too, with boys soccer is how, how these teams adjust to losing star players. Last sure. year's class was one of the best ever, uh, really. I and mean, that's not hyperbole. was one of the best ever for girls soccer. If you if you run down the list of players that are playing Division One soccer now, it, it's really impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Northwest Castle alone, another traditional power, they, they lost uh, nine starters. Wow. Uh, I mean, nine senior starters, uh, and all, most of them are playing soccer somewhere right now. Uh, so how do you handle that? How do you regroup? Uh, the expectations on a place like Suffield, who, who lost one of their forwards, actually not the graduation, but the injury, uh, an all-New England uh, forward, Nicole Strijic. Uh, how do you, you replace these people that have been so integral to your team, have been such a big part of it, been in the spotlight, and move forward? Because as you know, and, and the people listening know, in these big soccer towns, uh, there is no leeway for a down year. They sure. want they want to have success, and the kids want to have success. They don't want to be the group that misses out on things. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want to be the group that continues it. And uh, I think there are many t- players and many teams that are ready to regroup. They may look a little different for the last couple of years, uh, but it's going to be a fun season, I think. And it's going to be fun and exciting because you're seeing and talking about new players, too. No question about that, and uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's obviously a lot of a lot of schools and a lot of teams to digest. Uh, but let me ask you, just to, you know, to to dig even a little deeper. Any you know, when you talk about these are sort of uh, a lot of cases, we're we're talking about the same a lot of the same schools every year. Any you know, real off the radar teams, team maybe up and coming teams that you know maybe aren't going to be in the mix for those. Uh, state titles necessarily with some of these big teams, but maybe are, are poised for, uh, for a breakout kind of year that, uh, you know, takes them to a level that they haven't been at previously. Any, uh, any teams like that, that really, uh, you're looking for as we go through the season. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that Joel. The one team that I'm really excited about, and I, I you know, you try and be as partial, you gotta be 100%, uh, unbiased down mm-hmm. the line, but it's hard not to get a little sentimental when you think about East Windsor girls soccer. Here's a team that's been saddled season after season with losing seasons. They don't have a JV program. They don't have a, a middle school program. Really what they're getting are the kids from the rec program and the travel program. And, and right now, uh, they comparatively, they're competing against teams with girls with club teams and just really thick feeder systems. And last year they did something remarkably special for their program. They made the state tournament. They won a game. Uh, it's pretty unprecedented in East Windsor, and, and they're really up against it. And uh, they come back this year with a lot of their players. They come back with a goalie, Caroline, that's uh, one of the best in the conference. Uh, and they're excited. I mean, they, there's a level of optimism around the program that hasn't been there in a while. 
And quite frankly, they don't get exposure. They don't get attention sure. uh, in any sport. East Windsor, we just don't talk about them. It doesn't matter where you are uh, coverage-wise. East Windsor has been uh, in, in the, hidden in the background, hidden from the spotlight. Uh, and these girls have done something really special. Uh, they've done really something impressive. Uh, we're not talking about them winning a state championship, but the fact that they're able to overcome all these odds against them that every other team out there in the state has and get in position to make a state tournament, have a winning season, and uh, actually win a couple games in the state tournament, there's certainly potential there. They're a team to get behind. They're like one of these feel-good stories. Um, so you got want to keep an eye on them. They've started off the season with two losses, uh, but they can still get back on track. They can still get those necessary wins. If they get in the tournament, it's going to be a huge deal for that. Two years in a row, uh, never been done. Uh, and then you look at another team in the NCCC, the girls' side, East Granby. I know Coach Joel Ziff is very excited about them. They only won four games last year. They're another team that could take a big step up. Uh, really, uh, I'm not, again, might not be uh, ready to win a championship. Certainly won't be considered one of the contenders, but they have a chance to make the playoffs. And for them, that will be uniquely special. Boys' side, side, you have Winter Locks uh, mm-hmm. with tons of opportunities. They've got players coming back. Ali Muhammad. Uh, he's a player, uh, one of these guys I took a flyer on. I think he's going to be a breakout player this year, scored seven goals for them. He's coming back. He's got a lot to be excited about. And then another team on the boys' side who, who was a traditional power. Uh, it's a town where I grew up, where uh, a lot of my family played. Uh, Manchester, it's kind of been the, the forgotten school. Manchester was a team in the 60s, 70s, very strong soccer, even up into the 90s. They've kind of disappeared because of all these other, the Glastonbury's and all the other schools that kind of stole the limelight. They just haven't performed like they used to. Mm-hmm. I think Manchester's going to have another, uh, going to have a very strong year comparatively to where they were last year. I think they had six wins last year. They missed the playoffs. They couldn't get that last win to get in. Uh, they're going to be in contention. I think they're going to be in better, better shape this year. Uh, the girls on the Manchester side have a new coach, uh, a young coach, and. Uh, uh, taking over for John Cohn, who actually went to Bloomfield, so could, could be improved there too. Uh, so that will be interesting. Uh, the t- couple, when you look at Manchester, a couple teams in the '90s and, and way back that were really strong. Uh, how will they regroup with a new look to their team? Right. They should be improved too, uh, Joel. And I know I'm missing uh, plenty. There's so many to keep an eye on. I think Portland boys might be improved this year. You look at that uh, in the shore. You know, in the shoreline, old Saber girls have a new coach. Larry Bright had been there for. Forever and has done a lot of good things to the program. How does their new coach take over and take a step? Uh, make sure they continue to where they want to be as far as their community is concerned. Morgan was kind of the surprise team last year on the boys' side. Uh, again, so they will, maybe won't be catching people off guard at this point. Uh, but if they can come back again this year, have another strong year, I think there will be a little bit of a surprise because people maybe thought they were a flash in the pan last year. Uh, you know, I don't want to be any. I don't want to be disrespectful at all by saying that because they're a great team, made some runs. But if they come back, do it two years in a row, mm-hmm. uh, that it, those that group of kids will be talked about in the Clinton area for a long time. Absolutely. No, and it's interesting. You know, we talk about these teams, and as you said, we end up uh, when we're talking about the. That maybe the the teams that are competing for championships, as you said, a lot of the same teams year in and year out. But uh, you talk about you know the stories like the East East Windsor girls. You know the success can mean a lot of different things to different teams. So you know the the expectations might not be quite so high, and maybe the the um, the goals and the ambition won't be quite so high. But still, uh, 
you know, can be a successful season for a school uh, if they get to a certain level. So those are great, uh, great things to keep an eye on. What about, uh, and I know you've hit on a lot of them already and certainly kids, you know, from some of these big programs, but what a, you know, maybe just give us a handful of, uh, of players to watch, real standouts that uh, the soccer fans across the state of Connecticut are going to want to uh, seek out and, and try to see uh, this season. One of the players, I mean, you've got a trio at, uh, you know, at Farmington with the Farmington girls. You, you, when you put these players to watch list, like, you take a lot of time. I cer- certainly, I, I take a lot of time with it, probably too much time. Uh, and, and I really go through it. I'm really trying to be thorough. And I, you don't always like to give too many players to one team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's hard to not look at Farmington and be and struck by their players uh, that they have on that team. And, and uh, they have a real strong trio. And I, I, Julia Cohen... Strong, smart midfielder, uh, and I'm going to mispronounce her name, and I apologize. And uh, and I've been told how to say it repeatedly. Navi Sai from Farmington, a really strong forward for them. But the girl, you know, if, you, if you're going to games and you can want to be excited, Taylor, Taylor Heading, she's a junior, one of the most crafty, creative midfielders in the state. Uh, she comes from a, a tradition of so- soccer in her family. Her mom played college soccer. Her dad played college soccer. And her grandparents were were always on the scene in in their community. Uh, and here she comes. She's falling in the family business, and she's just a pleasure to watch. Uh, it's that really that spark in that midfield that you like to see from any, from players. And, and she's really a unique, special player that, that is uh, just a blast. Like it just makes the game fun, Joel. You know, sure. you, you like to go to the game, and, and you don't always want to do the same stuff. Taylor's going to give you that something that you're going to see a little bit extra from. Uh, a player on the girls' side also, and again, I know we're going back to Lastonbury, but I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention her, Danielle Brinkman. Uh, the thing that I, I really like about Danielle is she's a, a, a multiple-sport athlete. She excelled this year in track. She was uh, this past season in track. She was actually the state open champ, 300 hurdles, mm-hmm. uh, had a tremendous season, great heptathlete. She comes back. She's already going to Seton Hall. She's already committed going to a really good school at Seton Hall. She's just a fast defenseman, uh, defender. She can play the offense if she wants. She can carry the ball up. She's very smart. Uh, she's one of these players. You you watch the game and automatically you know, okay, that's someone you got to mark. That's somebody you got to pay attention to. Right. Um, and, and as always at the time, I, I'm like forgetting names. Uh, one player from Suffield. I mean, we talk about players that are going to have to adjust and step up. Uh, Alyssa Brigham up again. I'm, I'm butchering the name, Alyssa from uh, uh, Suffield, uh, with a B, so I'm not going to completely butcher her name, but the, uh, Brigamini, I think that's how you say it, and I apologize if it's wrong. She's a player in the midfield that's going to have to lead after that injury to Nicole. Um, Mackenzie Sullivan is the coach's daughter, uh, kind of has been under a, a tremendous talent, uh, was a freshman last year, sophomore, looking for a breakout year. She's one of these players that could have a real breakout year. Uh, she's got the speed. Uh, she's got the skill. She's got the touch. Uh, and if she makes that adjustment, which is always a big adjustment from playing from freshman to sophomore year, if she makes that adjustment, she could be poised for, for big, big things. And then also, another player in, uh, it's in the team that kind of gets always, uh, you're talking about under-the-radar teams, Coventry girls. They're going to have a real shot of winning class F title this year. They come back healthy last year. They had a couple injuries that really hurt them. And the girl to watch there, can't be all New England, uh, has been all state since a freshman, Amy Akerley. Uh, just a tremendous talent. She's been playing with her sister the last couple of years, Alice. Now it's her team. Uh, her sister's graduated. 
Amy can do anything on the field. It's her opportunity to kind of take this Coventry team, take the Patriots, and set them on a run. If they stay healthy, uh, they're going to go as far uh, as possible to the Class S championship. Uh, they have that potential, and Amy's the player to watch. Another player that, you know, you'll, you'll talk about the Glastonbury's and the downstate teams, teams like St. Joe's or Westville or the Fairfield team, uh, and they'll, Amy will kind of get lost in shuffle. She's kind of a player you really want to pay attention to. Um, there's Grace Moore, Rocky Hill, good defender, junior defender, going to have a strong year. Uh, Garfield at East Catholic. There's a lot of players, and they're all slamming into my head now, so I apologize. Uh, Madison Raposo at Weathersfield, another player with plenty, plenty of potential. Uh, and on the boys' side, if you're looking, I, I mentioned Ali Muhammad before, it's kind of a breakout player. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the players you got to go back to, you got to go back to Sebi at Glastonbury, Griffin, these are guys that you, you'd be remiss if you didn't mention them because they come up with so much pressure, uh, and they really have to handle expectations that few other teams out there have to handle uh, Ryan Greenberg from Tallinn, a very solid, very tough-to-break-down defender. He's going to have a big year, a uh, chance for big opportunities for them. Uh, another kid, Farmington. Uh, Farmington's a kind of a new team, a new look this year. Uh, Evan Hughes is no longer there. He had been in the spotlight for a while. Mm-hmm. Ian Thomas, this guy you're going to have to pay attention uh, on the defensive side. I really like how Ian plays. Smart, heady player. Uh, their back line is going to be crucial for them, as it always is. And Thomas is going to be one of the guys that gives them a little bit of push too. So, and then, and then a guy that I didn't even get to mention in the preview that went out is Noah Silverman for Berlin. Had a great year last year. Going to be expected to come back and do great things for them too. Uh, and then uh, on the Juana Villa, tremendous scorer for Morgan. He, I think he scored thirty something on goals. I can't remember the exact number this year. As a sophomore, how does he come back? Does he take another step forward? Big, powerful forward. A lot of teams in the shoreline had uh, trouble keeping uh, keeping him down, suppressing his talents, and, mm-hmm. and he's going to be another guy this year with a lot of opportunities. Lots of great kids to uh, to keep an eye on. We look forward to that. All right, we'll get you out of here with uh, with one uh, sort of one more kind of preview question. And I should point out that Matt is doing all this off the top of his head because he's in his car right now, which is just uh, this is one reason we love talking to Matt because we know there's so much information uh, rattling around in there that he can uh, he can just give to us. So uh, let's just do maybe you know say two or three uh, on the girls and the boys side uh, games to watch. So you know big games during the regular season, maybe not necessarily you know whether they're rivalry games, whether they're uh, games that you think might be deciding league uh, regular season championships or or just pitting off pitting uh, you know some some possible state championship teams up against each other. Any uh, regular season games that uh, that soccer fans are going to want to circle on their calendar this year? Yeah, I think, well, let's let's break it down by conference, and we'll do it quickly, and I won't, uh, I won't get as long-winded as I usually am. <laughs> You're um, fine. Uh, so, so let's start with the shoreline. you got Morgan. I already mentioned Morgan and O-Line have already played. They've tied 1-1. Uh, when they play again, that's going to be a huge game later on in the year. Also, when Old Saber plays Morgan, that's going to be a big game. Old Saber's got another strong team, or Old Saber plays O-Line. Those are going to be good games for the shoreline on the boys' side. On the girls' side, you're going to want to keep attention to old line that they they went to the title last year in Class S. Very 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 good again. Uh, so Morgan um, old line when they play Morgan, uh, that's going to be a big game. Uh, old line also, I think Cromwell is going to be a very good game. Uh, so when old line plays Cromwell for girls, keep an eye. I think Cromwell is very improved 
I think they only won about six games last year, but they got speed. They they played some teams that were bigger than them. Uh, they played Newington in a scrimmage, and they really hung with Newington girls. So that's uh, on this girls' shoreline side. And Triple C, you always got to look the same teams almost when it comes to girls. And Suffield's the team to beat. Can Coventry and Suffield, can Coventry play with Suffield? Coventry give them a game. Is Coventry ready to take that next step up? Uh, on, certainly on paper, they look uh, they, like they have the potential. On the boys' side, uh, I, I would look at Granby and Summers. That's going to be a tough, hard-nosed game. That's going to be an interesting game to watch. And also, I think when Summers and Coventry play again, because those two teams played in the Class S championship, went to overtime, Summers won. That might be one of the best games out there. When those two teams meet again, league rivals, uh, in a rematch of a championship game, when those two teams meet up in the fall, mm-hmm. uh, that's going to be a fun one to watch. Uh, I, you go to the CCC, uh, I'm going to be quick here, uh, just scanning on the girls' side. Uh, Weathersfield, when they play Berlin, is going to be a big game. Uh, Weathersfield and Berlin, two of the CCC South Towers. Uh, you know, Steve Yenesey has another strong team. It's Berlin. Weathersfield, we've already talked about it, having a chance to have a breakout year. They have the talent. Yep. On paper, they're going to be very good. Got to watch out for them. Uh, Glastonbury Northwest, uh, when that game comes on the schedule, I know Northwest has lost a lot. They're not the same team as years past. But anytime you got Todd Sadler on the sidelines, you better come up here. Glastonbury uh, is going to be buzzing probably at that time. Uh, so when, when Northwest plays Glastonbury again, uh, you know, Glastonbury will be the favorite, but maybe uh, Northwest has a chance to kind of throw a big surprise at them. And, and then uh, for the boys, I think the big game is Glastonbury Hall. Again, mm-hmm. I know we're mentioning teams we've mentioned before, but those two teams played in the semifinal. They play in the same division. Uh, Hall beat Glastonbury, one of the few teams to beat Glastonbury last year. Uh, so that's key. And then Zeke, uh, Segura, and Mark Landers know each other well, very friendly. Uh, both teams have a lot of returning players back. You're going to really, really want to keep an eye on that game. On the boys' side, uh, Plainville uh, against Berlin. You're going to want to watch that Plainville. I think they have Weathersfield on schedule. I apologize if I'm mistaken on that one. Uh, you're going to want to keep an eye on that. Uh, so I'm, I'm primarily focusing on schools around our coverage area, and I sure. apologize for that. No, that's uh, all right. But if, if you look down, I think Staples, Staples against the Fairfield schools will be very good for boys soccer uh, as well. Uh, and, I, and I know I, I always feel bad because I know I'm missing something here that should be popping off my head. Uh, but uh, those are the ones that are jumping right now. Uh, a lot of good games out there, even the games that you wouldn't expect. You know, I was lucky to take in uh, E.O. Smithy's Catholic girls soccer yesterday. Two young programs uh, on Tuesday. Two young programs uh, have a lot of seniors to replace. Uh, E.O. Smith has got... 77 varsity players just getting first-time varsity experience in that season opener. But a really good game. So I think the opportunity is out there for a lot of teams that kind of uh, were under the radar, maybe made the playoffs last year, didn't win, you know, didn't get a lot of attention. Sure. Uh, there's a lot of teams that are going to There's going to be a lot of opportunity for great games because we're still discovering what these teams have. And I'm just I'm really excited for the year, Joel. Uh, it's my 10th season covering high school so- soccer in the state. I think it's going to be a promising one. Uh, and we've got a lot of kids, and it seems to be kids are starting. You're still having kids losing kids to the academy, but seniors, juniors are coming back and playing, and that's and that's real encouraging. 
Absolutely. No, really excited about it as well. We love uh, love getting Matthew Conyers on the phone from the Hartford Current and letting him uh, letting him go deep on the uh, the boys and girls soccer seasons. Matt, you uh, are more than uh, more than kind to uh, to carve out a few minutes for us we appreciate it and i know we will check back in with you again uh soon going to be a fun boys and girls soccer season in connecticut thanks for all your information and uh we'll check back in with you real soon hey thanks for letting me ramble on as always joel hopefully i didn't boy bore all your listeners but it was fun as always no certainly not bored and they are uh, they have much more information than they did when we started thanks matt thanks joel Thanks to Matt, as always. The man knows his stuff. It's always uh, great to talk to him and get a sense of what we need to be looking for for the high school soccer season. I think that may be one of our more, uh, Matt may be one of our more frequent podcast guests, and he always uh, has plenty of information for us, and we really appreciate it. Going to wrap things up now with Joe Palladino of the Waterbury Republican American. There's another folk, another fellow who's uh, on the podcast quite a bit, and that's just because we like talking to him. So uh, we're going to reach out to him, see what's uh, caught his attention here in the early part of the fall season. We have with us now Joe Palladino of the Waterbury Republican American. And uh, we, we have some folks that we bring on every now and then to, to talk about specific stories and uh, or cover specific things. But uh, I just like chatting with Joe Palladino. So uh, in this case, we just wanted to reach out to him and, uh, and, and cover a few things that maybe are of interest here in the, in the early season. So, Joe, thanks very much for being with us. Well, thank you very much, Joel. I appreciate it, and I enjoy it as well. We will. Uh, I, I was going to say, follow, checking through your Twitter feed here to uh, to see what we might want to talk about. We'll stay away from West Ham United news, at least for uh, oh, at least for this worded. podcast. But uh, <laughs> maybe it, maybe in a future one, you and I can break down some Premier League uh, action uh, as we go forward. But uh, sure thing. We'll, uh, we'll start with, with a little more local soccer. You wrote a story uh, recently that I thought was really interesting, kind of looking at. Um, the sort of scenario and status of girls soccer uh, within the Waterbury City Schools and, and also a little bit of a history lesson sort of um, as to how the, the boys soccer programs developed there in the, in the city. So just wanted to, to kind of give you a chance to tell people about that story because I thought it was interesting and, as I said, sort of talked about a current issue but also a little bit of a history lesson. So uh, what was that story all about and kind of what, uh, what were you trying to, to get across with that piece? Well, I'll tell you what, Joel, it it sort of came about by accident. It, it, it's been a long-standing uh, pet peeve of mine that there, uh, none of the public schools in Waterbury offer girls soccer mm-hmm. ever. It's not like they were there and faltered and left. They've just been never. They've never been offered. And when I was at the city jamboree this year, I noticed a lot of girls uh, in uniform and playing for the Waterbury public school teams. So I approached them, and I thought, you know what, it's time we have girls' teams. Would you mind if I gave you a call at some point? And there was, all, they're, they're all excited. They've got kids in the hallways that want to play. Uh, there, there's approximately six girls right now in the first-year varsity program of Waterbury Career Academy, mm-hmm. um, one of whom plays varsity soccer. So, okay, I got all my phone numbers in my names, and I'll get to this eventually. You know, those are the stories that sometimes you never get to. Sure. But, of course, the beautiful part about all this is Waterbury Career Academy's first varsity goal of all time this season, first-year program, was scored by a girl, mm-hmm. Valerie Lopes. So that got me all fired up. Um, let's make sure we get to this story. So that's what kind of got me looking into uh, the issue. Um, the first part about the issue is that it's been 30. This is uh, the 30th anniversary of boys' soccer 
finally coming to the three city public schools and Sacred Heart. Right. And, you know, that's not a lot. You really shouldn't beat them up about that because a lot of area schools all started around the same time, around the middle 80s, mm-hmm. uh, though still late to the dance yeah. for, for, for soccer uh, in Connecticut, which dates back forever, except, but, you know, the city, soccer was never the, uh, the most popular sport in any major urban area. Sure. So it's, it's, still, it's still growing. But, again, the bottom line here, the fact that the Waterbury girls, do, uh, the Waterbury public schools do not have girls' soccer, this is the year 2016. We've been playing soccer forever. Mm-hmm. I find it inexcusable. Now, there's been plenty of youth soccer programs in the area. Waterbury has some, uh, I think Bunker Hill Sports Association has soccer. There are soccer pro. East Mountain has had it for years. But there's never really been a strong push to build programs in Waterbury. And that's, that's what the story was all about. That's what got me fired up. Uh, and suggesting that if, if ever there is a time, the time is now. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was certainly, as I said, kind of an interesting and history lesson. And as you said, put a, a little bit of a fine point on it with the young woman uh, scoring the first goal for the uh, the boys' team, which uh, certainly uh, it was it was an, an interesting uh, kind of capper to the to the piece. Well, um, it is a historic, it, it's a historic thing. I mean, sure. listen, I chided their public schools a little bit. You can't just make an announcement over the, the PA saying, any girls interested in playing, come sign up, because no one shows up. Right. So you, you've got to get proactive. You've got to get – so I – you know, I did a story similar to this in the spring about girls' golf programs in the area. Mm-hmm. And you always have a couple of girls playing, but they're very intimidated about getting out there and competing with the boys. So they're the ones that have to walk the hallways and browbeat people. <laughs> You're playing soccer. Come play soccer. Let's go, because no one else is going to do it. Right. And, and the other point about this I'd like to make really quickly sure. is – and I, I've always felt that if you're the administrators in the Waterbury Public Schools and you see all these terrific kids, good students, good kids, going to other schools because they have girls' soccer programs, wouldn't you say, gee, why don't we have a girls' soccer program and maybe some of these terrific kids will stay and go to school with us? No, we don't think that way at all. Well, they just go, that's fine, let them go, and we'll just go lump along without a girls' soccer program. So it seems to me that, you know, this isn't just about recreation and sports. It's also about building a stronger, more vibrant school community. So, you know, it's time to get off our butts. Yeah, no, it's an interesting, uh, yeah, I think it's an interesting discussion and certainly one that, uh, as I said, the, thought it was a, a very well-done piece and it wanted to uh, – to touch base with you about it a little bit. Uh, so uh, we're, you know, just a week or so now into the uh, the fall <laughs> sports season, and you've obviously been covering all the, the preseason action as well, and I know uh, soccer generally has your attention this time oh, of yeah. year. But uh, wh- what have you seen? What are some of the interesting uh, stories or teams or, or things in your area that have kind of jumped out at you here uh, as, as the, the fall is kind of slowly uh, getting underway, other than the, uh, the unreasonably hot temperatures for, <laughs> for the fall, which finally uh, may have broken through today? Well, I'll tell you what, I was very excited about this coming soccer season because I didn't particularly see any juggernaut or powerhouse team, which I'm particularly pleased by that because it makes the conference championship races very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you do like to have a couple of powerhouses sure. because those are the teams that carry you 
to the state finals. You always like to have someone to go to go watch in a state final, um, which I believe area teams that we have right now that, that look really strong are Cheshire and Pomprog. Both mm-hmm. the boys and girls programs look to be terrific. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the Berkshire League uh, is is absolutely dead even. The Naugatuck Valley League boys and girls. I don't know that there's a clear favorite in there, and that's what makes the games so enjoyable. Uh, you know, Naugatuck is a juggernaut, has won three in a row, and they, they tied Seymour 0-0 the other night, which was a real a, a bit of a surprise. And then the Woodland girls look really strong again, but it, no one looks like a runaway, and that's what makes me very happy about this season. Uh, you can pick almost any game on any day, and you're going to see something fantastic. Right. Any uh, any particular uh, you know feature kind of things that you've uh, you've been working on other than the one obviously that uh, that kind of grabbed my attention that I called you about any interesting uh, kind of stories or features or, or things that uh, popped up for you during the your work in the preseason or, or as the season's gotten underway here? Well, you know, I, I that's what I do. I, I you know, I'm still very uh, old school, very tactile. I don't do things on my smartphone. I always use index cards. I've got index cards loaded. With some, <laughs> with some story ideas that, you know, again, as you plug along during the season, you, you look at the end of the season, comes, oh, I didn't get to this one. <laughs> sure. And, oh, I didn't get to that one. Um, but, you know, one story that I really want to do and I didn't get to last year, I, I'm, I'm desperate to get up to Wilby to do something about their, their boys program because, remember, they started last season without a coach. Mm-hmm. And they're almost about to abandon the program until, until a great guy, Tom Hunt, stepped forward at the last minute and took over the program. And the CIAC, by the way, was very accommodating because um, not everybody had their coaching certifications and, and his assistant didn't. So they, they, they allowed them to go through the training programs so that they were able to get the program started and they got certified as the season went along. Uh, and now they're back again for a second year, so they finally have their footing down and their, their legitimate varsity program again. So that's one story I'm desperate. You know, the funny part about it, too, is I think both Tom Hunt and his assistant, I believe his name is John Alves, are um, Department of Corrections officers. So oh, really? got, <laughs> yeah, so they've got some pretty tough customers up there sure. running the program. I love it. Uh, so that, just, that's the only one that just sprung off the top of my head um, that, I, that I'd like to get to hopefully this week or next. Very good. Well, we uh, we will be looking forward to that, and uh, and and always looking forward to uh, to the chance to chat with Joe. So, uh, like I said, just wanted to. There's some folks we like bringing on just because we like hearing what they've uh, what's piqued their interest uh, uh, at this time of the year. And as I said, we'll we'll get into that that West Ham United uh, discussion maybe on another podcast. But Joe, as always, we love uh, love chatting with you and uh, and doing such a great job covering the uh, the Waterbury area. So thanks for being with us. Well, thanks for checking in, Joel. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Joe Palladino, back with us on the water from the Waterbury Republican American. You can check out all his stuff uh, at the Waterbury Republican American, of course, online as well. And uh, thanks to all of our guests, John Licardo, Matthew Conyers, and Joe Palladino. Enjoyed this week's edition. Hope uh, hope you did as well. Once again, check out everything at CIAC Sports. Dot com. Follow us on Twitter at CIAC Sports, Facebook.com slash CIAC Sports. Those are good ways to get in touch with us and keep track of everything that's happening in the world of high school sports in Connecticut. You can always email us as well. I don't think I mentioned that the first time around. Email us. Uh, let us know what you think of the podcast. Let us know if there's uh, topics you'd like us to cover. Um, as I said, John Licardo was a first-time guest. We love adding people to the uh 
to the bench here for uh, people that I could get in touch with and, and chat a little high school sports. If there's someone you think who's written some interesting stories, who's got some interesting perspective, uh, coaches, athletes, anything that you uh, think might be worth exploring on the CIAC cast, send us an email. It is CIAC cast. So that's clever. CIAC cast at C-A-S-C-I-A-C dot O-R-G. That's how you can reach out to me. And, of course, yeah, mention us, uh, send us a message on Twitter as well. That certainly works, at CIAC Sports. Lots of good ways to get in touch with us and uh, lots of good things to uh, to keep tabs of here as we progress through the fall season. Just about a week old. Going to be lots of good stories, lots of good conversations coming up on the CIAC cast. So hope you will uh, continue to follow along. And uh, as I said, feel free to subscribe. What a good way to, uh, to keep up with the CIAC cast, to subscribe and get all of them delivered to your favorite device whenever they are published. So with all that said, thanks so much again to all of our guests for being with us. And thank you for listening. We will be back in another two weeks with another edition of the CIAC cast. <laughs>